Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And uh, we are coming to you live from the the Heater Podcast studios uh, with the uh, Atlanta one. and Philly in a uh, slugfest, 10 to 7 in the top of the fourth. Uh, and uh, looks like it's going to be an interesting one. It's been an interesting one all week long with Major League Baseball and many sorts of different ways, uh, pluses and minuses. Uh, we've had a, a no-hitter. We've had trades. We've had big trade rumors. Uh, COVID still COVID. lurking. Uh, playoff bubble is now in place, uh, oh and uh, there's been some moving and shaking in divisions here. So we have lots that we're going to cover. Uh, we'll start first with our, our injuries, but before we get started, lest I be remiss, the Heater Podcast is brought <laughs> to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking ch- uh. needs for movies and baseball games of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it was a busy one out there this weekend, wasn't it, Corey? It was extremely busy this weekend and announcement uh, I don't have to get too much into my personal life here but I've had a busy week eventful week as you know about and because of that <laughs> uh, the podcast the podcast the popcorn wagon is adding an extra day so we are going Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday for the next couple months here see how it goes fall expansion kind of excited expansion. for that uh, with fall. Uh, fall colors when you're making your trips uh, to uh, check out this beautiful area that we uh, live in and the weather is just a, to die for right now around here. This it is, is the it. best week to take this vacation. I am thankful that I'm looking at uh, low 70s. So I am uh, looking forward to a, a lot of baseball and a lot of popcorn. So I'm going to hit you up. I'll be there. I'll be there, man. We are refined this week. Uh, we are, we're ready for you this week. We're making sure that, uh, especially as we go through the, the trading deadline and some things are happening as we uh, are recording this podcast, but we have our glass of wine right here with us. Uh, so we are going to uh, pontificate more baseball all the time. Yeah, more professional all the time around here. Let's do this. So why don't you cover us the the biggest injury news of the week here? <sighs> oh, biggest injury news of the week. Oh, let's start with the biggest player in the game of baseball, probably. Let's start with Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. He came back from injury. They reinstated him. And Hello and goodbye. They rushed him out there, and he went back on the injured list later in the week with the same exact calf injury. I believe this time they said that it will take him, quote, twice as long to recover. So, and the Yankees are, we're going to get to that in standings, but they're in kind Playoffs. of us. That's the only time you're going to see him now. And uh, maybe they can wrap that calf in bubble wrap. I don't know what they're going to do at this point. Those, those, that team has some bad luck with injuries. Your team has some bad luck with injuries. Who is their main competition? But uh, the Yankees, I don't know, man. We'll see. Uh, let's talk Merrill Kelly here. He was pitching, one of the players for the Diamondbacks was actually pitching well. But uh, they had to place him on the 10-day IL early in last week with a right shoulder impingement. Said no timetable to come back. Anytime, shoulders are worse than elbows. Shoulders are worse than elbows. Yes. So hard to tell on that one. Ronald Acuna came back from the injured list, and Nick Markakis came back from the injured list, and the Braves are still playing well. They're the team that's up right now, 10-7 to 7 in this game. But I did see that Acuna left tonight's game early, so I don't think it was the wrist, but you don't know on that. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of those uh, dings and, and dents going on here, and uh, uh, that's always a hard one. A few bright spots for the Diamondbacks, one of the clear sellers 
uh, that we're uh, seeing, or at least rumored to be, uh, and uh, uh, we'll see what, what happens with that as well. Let's talk a prospect here. Corey espoused early in this podcast about his love for Nate Pearson, and Nate Pearson pitched pretty well in a couple of starts, two, three starts, but flexor strain uh, that's inside of your elbow. He's going to be out the rest of this season. It sounds like he's going to avoid surgery, but that's not what I want to hear. If I'm going to spouse how much I like Nate Pearson, then I don't need his arm getting injured already. Here's here's my question for someone, especially when it's a prospect on his way up. Is it? It always seems as if Tommy John surgery is inevitable for anyone who's a who throws uh, at hard. Fi- yeah, and, and so hard. I mean, I get avoiding surgery as much as you can, but I'm almost at the point of saying, are, are you just delaying your career by just the not inevitable. doing it now? Yeah. The inevitable. Did you see another prospect that had a season-long shutdown? Matt Manning, he's never actually made the big leagues. He's shut down for the season two with a forearm strain. And was that one was meant to be, from what I heard, because I saw that one on, on Twitter, more precautionary. Good. Uh, that one wasn't meant to be as much as, like, Nate Pearson here. That one was a little yeah. bit more severe. Yeah, I'm more worried about uh, Nate Pearson than I am Matt, Matt Manning. Um there's another big uh, prospect with the Tigers that was shut down at the same time, but I can't remember who it is with him. I'll have to try to look that up. Didn't see that one. Let's talk a little bit more refined of a still very young pitcher, but a little bit more of a track record. Walker Bueller, the Los Angeles Dodgers just keep winning baseball games, playing well, and they're doing it with a lot of injuries actually on the team. Bueller went on the disabled or the injured list with the 10 day injured list with a blister. This is a team that has had blister injuries in the past, whether it's Rich Hill, they found times where Kenta Maeda had blisters. It's also a way to get your player 10 days off if you if they need an extra time off. I fully expect to see Walker Bueller in 10 days. Agreed. Uh, let's talk Andrew Miller. He was closing games. We'll start to do some closers here. He was closing games for the Cardinals, and 10-day IL left shoulder fatigue again, and Andrew Miller is no longer a young spring chicken. He's bounced around the league, still getting guys out. Uh, he's one of the players I think has been hurt the most from the three-battle rule, though. And shoulder injuries, we just said, not good. Worse than elbows. Yeah, he's uh, injury more than performance has been the, the story of the second half of his career. I mean, he was so dominant for the Indians, but he's been hard to replicate it, mainly just because of health. So we keep bouncing around these closers. We had Keone Kella. He came back for a little while for the Pirates. I don't think he ever actually did get a save, and he was the one that a lot of people thought was going to be a big trade piece here, and he's back on the injured list. I think he pitched twice, right, forearm tightness. I would actually expect at this point he's not going to get traded because no one's going to take on that risk. So expect to see Keona Kella back hopefully before the end of the year, but probably still on the Pirates. Uh, more bullpen guys. Dylan Patances today went on the 10-day IL with right lat tightness, and the Mets bullpen is still a disaster. I'm glad it's something because he did not look good at all on the field. No, it, the Mets bullpen is just off, and who knows with them whether they'll figure out or not. Uh, Mets and Phillies, they cannot figure out their bullpen yes. issues. One team that is figuring out their bullpen issues, we'll talk about more about it later on, is the Padres. But before they made a big trade, they got Drew Pomeranz back. He missed the minimum 10 days. He still has yet to give up a run. Pagan, I think, got a couple saves for him, but I would actually expect – we'll talk about Trevor Rosenthal, but I think Drew Pomeranz is still going to slide back into the closers role. He's been too good for the – I don't see why they would take him out. I Either way, I think you're looking at now a th- – they've been trying to deepen that pen. Uh, and now with Pagan, Pomeranz, and Rosenthal, despite the injuries that have happened, uh, 
the Padres are the uh, the biggest team that we'll talk about here when it comes to trades in just a little bit. Let's do a couple more pitchers while we're at it here. Let's do Nathan Avaldi, uh, 10-day IL right calf strain. So he pitched rather ineffectively the other day, if I'm not mistaken. It sounded like they weren't too worried about it. Uh, Avaldi should be back in about 10 days. The the Red Sox have nothing to play for at this point. Anyways, they are probably the – they've already started to sell away some of their pieces. Avaldi uh, probably could have been someone they wanted to trade, but he's on the IL. I guess they wouldn't expect that now. Also in the Northeast area, Steven Matz, left shoulder discomfort. Last I checked, he actually hadn't been put on the aisle, but it was reported by a lot of places it was coming soon. Matz hasn't been very good for the Mets this year, and I could say that about most of their pitchers not named Jacob. So uh, let's hope the 10 days help him out. The uh, weekly uh, raised injury report. I can do them uh, next. I can do them next. You, you want to do uh, it? Yeah, this okay, one I can it. tell you because it's always uh, a mouthful. I'll give you a breather on this one. Uh, Ryan Yarborough with uh, groin issues, 10-day uh, IL. It looks like he caught it early. He said he's felt something like that before. This was less severe. Uh, so they, they think it's only going to be a 10-day stint. I uh, hope so because they're dropping like flies there in that pitching staff. Just so you know, uh, the Rays have had 11 different pitchers on the IL, 10 currently, uh, and it is pretty much, with the exception of Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now, it is the entire Durham Bulls uh, pitching staff. That's what the Rays have right now, and they just rattled off 20 consecutive scoreless innings versus the Florida Marlins over the weekend, winners of five straight. Uh, they are 15-3 and three in their last 18 games. It is absolutely amazing. I don't know who it was. Someone posted a picture in one of the baseball groups I follow of the the race pitchers I think it was yesterday and it was just like if you can give the first name of any of these guys I'm Mike, Pat- Mike Petrello was it okay and yep. I was just I looked through it and I consider myself to know almost every baseball player. like I watch so much baseball that I can call out players all the time and I didn't know a single player and I was just like wow I actually thought I could do this but I didn't know a single one of those guys you have to be a diehard uh race fan to be able to do that, and only because you've seen them now in these games. If you would have asked any Rays fan before the season began and gave the last names and asked them to do a poll on the first names, I don't, even very few. I'm not even <laughs> sure I could have. That's impressive. Uh, That's amazing. So that is, uh, it's been a, a wild ride. Mike Zunino, by the way, also yeah, on that list with oblique strain. That's always a hard one. Catcher and hitting. Uh respectfully, they're not going to really miss him that much. It hasn't been a good year for him. He's been injury riddled since they've had him. Uh, but uh, that leaves the Rays looking for catching help uh, potentially before the, the deadline is over here. Who else do we got on the injury list? I have one more, Ray. I, I think he might already be on the injury list. I don't know if we ever mentioned him. I have Jalen Beeks down for Tommy John surgery tomorrow. Yeah, that's uh, – no, he was uh, – He's come into his own in the the multi-inning reliever stint, uh, striking out over 12 per nine. It was huge for them here, and then now you lose them for this year and next year. They have five pitchers that are gone for this year as well as next year. Uh, they have been ransacked with uh, with big injuries, as we've been talking about. So they've been doing well with the next man up, but uh, one of the teams that will be looking for relieving help uh, yet before the deadline. Well, let's get some positive notes here for a second. Nick Madrigal came back. I don't. I didn't see his game today. I think today was his first day back. But Nick Madrigal is back. You may remember me talking about Nick Madrigal. Had the nice. I think he played three games and he had a four hit day already. So the White Sox are on fire. And yeah. to, to add more depth to that lineup, get another player who never strikes out, makes contact like that is exactly what you want. Uh, who else came back here? I thought I saw another one. Drew Pomeranz already mentioned. Ronald Acuna's back. 
J- DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu. I forgot him. DJ LeMahieu is back. He was back today for the Yankees. They played a doubleheader. I think he only played one of them, but DJ LeMahieu, the Yankees, I just mentioned, they need a lot of help because they've been dropping off. And I have one more injury, and that's everything player for the Texas Rangers, Danny Santana. He plays every position that they possibly want. Right? Elbow strain. He is on the 10-day injured list as well. And the Texas Rangers offense has been abysmal. Part of it is the fact that they went from one of the best hitters parks, one of the probably the best pitchers park in the game in one year. But uh, any offensive help they could get, it sounds like they're going to be moving some of their offensive players because they're out of it, unfortunately. So that's what I got. Oh, I take it back. I have Kyle Moran down. It's on the seven-day concussion injured list. I did not see... Those are always, I mean, that's guessing. <laughs> Concussions, you don't know. It could be seven days, could be two weeks, could be a month, could be the rest of his life. So I have Kyle Moran down. You'd like to see him back as soon as possible. Absolutely. That's another one that was being potentially mentioned on the, the deadline, but now we'll be staying put. Uh, news and notes as we uh, transition. Uh, the minor COVID, we're not uh, in a major <laughs> thing yet. Hopefully it's there, but this is still the reminder that it's as all the, the steps forward that we're taking and overall with the exception of, of two teams not taking it seriously enough at the beginning, this has actually gone pretty well. Uh, as good as it could have gone. As good as it could have gone. In the middle of a worldwide pandemic, as good as it could be, they figured it out. And uh, that was definitely the uh, uncertainty after the first two weeks of the season, but we did have a positive test. Uh, a member of the Oakland A's, don't know who, just one positive test, and this is still this all happened in the last 24 hours, so we're still waiting to get more information from it. Uh, the A's and Astros uh, game today has been uh, postponed. Uh, and uh, I would expect, I don't know who they play tomorrow. I don't know if they finish up that series, but I, I would assume that they're going to take at least two, three days off again. We've seen this. I, I would be surprised if they don't miss the next series. That's they pretty much how this works. Yep, and yep. so you would expect if you have any, I'm trying to see if the A's play tomorrow. They have tomorrow off, so that's good for them. But uh, you'd expect the next series to be off and then go from there. I can tie that together with one more injury note, and that's Marcus Simeon. Uh, oh, yeah. Positive. Uh, they had an MRI done. Everything Something came back positive. Side, right. Uh, but uh, missing games actually helps him uh, recover. He is not going on the IL, uh, so that actually helps uh, helps him there. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that uh, series and, and what happens moving forward. The other big news as far as uh, uh, in Major League Baseball this past week, Jeff Passan of ESPN uh, reported on the playoff bubble. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks yeah. here. Of this is uh, what they were going to intend to do, and now we have details. Corey, why don't you break that down for us? So Passan came out and said that the – I believe it has not been passed yet by the Players Union, but it has been given to the Players Union. And the plan is two areas that have baseball fields close enough that you could do the bubble, which we've seen work in the NBA and the NHL – without, as far as I know, they have never had a positive case yet. Uh, I shouldn't say that. The NBA did when Lou Williams left, but... Outside of someone breaking the bubble. Yeah, as long as someone uh, didn't break the protocol, then it has worked. But the two states that make the most sense in this case, and the ones that they're discussing, are the Los Angeles area, where you have San Diego and the Angels and the Dodgers, and then the Texas, where you have Houston and the Rangers. And the Los Angeles area will be the... American League teams, whichever ones make the playoffs, and the Texas area will be the National League teams, whichever ones make the playoffs, and they will stay in those areas and play in those fields. And then doing so, you'd hope to avoid travel, which is most likely where you are to contract COVID at this point. 
and you're not seeing any uh, uh, one thing I'm sure that they were looking at was not to give any particular team uh, home field advantage uh, uh, as as part of this. That's why you have the AL uh, going to California. The Angels, sorry to break it to you if it's, this is breaking news to you, uh, they're not going to be making the playoffs this year. Uh, sorry, Corey. That's a, we'll save that for next week as a, a teaser for next week. Uh, we are going to be... Uh, Doing uh, looking back to way back when, before the year began, and we did our season predictions and major storylines. We're going to review those with you Not now that good. we're past the halfway point and give our midseason awards where we see things shaping up at this time. Uh, but uh, with the Angels not making it, uh, you're not going to have any uh, home field advantage in, in California and in Texas. It's American League teams and National League teams are playing there, so uh, we are looking good in that regard. Yeah, I think that... I think it makes sense. I think you want to try to, once you get to the postseason, you don't want COVID to become an issue that causes, like the Dodgers are clearly one of the favorites at this point. You don't want something rampant to catch with the Dodgers and suddenly have the favorite not have be on a fair playing field. Is that a good way to say it? Absolutely. And uh, I think from, I don't know if this one's confirmed in Passan's report or if it's just speculation yet, but World Series is uh, being talked about being played at the Texas Stadium. Yep. We don't have to worry about them making it to the World Series either nope. this year. Uh, so there won't be any issues with what they're looking at breaking down as far as giving any team an unfair advantage. I like it. I think that's a good idea. I think you want to do whatever you can to try to mitigate the spread at this point. It's not necessarily happening nationwide, which is a different conversation. But it, like you said, it, baseball's actually done a really good job ever since a few big outbreaks early on, which were not necessarily baseball's fault, but players breaking the protocol. So if you can do any more to try to keep it spread or contained, then that's what you want. Let's go into have yourself a week. Uh, and there's been some players that we talk about getting a, uh, on a heater. Uh, first today, uh, just I'll mention this note, uh, the Chicago Cubs outfield can definitely be put on this list. Ian Happ, Kyle Schwerber, and uh, Jason Hayward uh, all hit two home runs apiece, six home runs for the entire outfield, which is the same amount that the Cleveland Indians outfield has hit the entire season. So you know one of the areas that they're shopping for at the trading deadline. But the Cubs outfield, six home runs in today's game versus the Reds. Ten to one win, too. Ten to one win. We got to mention, let's get to it, Lucas Giolito. Yes. I, he's been mentioned a few times on this podcast as being a little up and down when he's up, he's really good. When he's down, he's been pretty bad. He got hammered in his very first start of the year, I remember, against the, the Twins, and I think we mentioned him on a, us on a cold streak, and he's been better. And then it all came together last week, the 25th of August, when he versed the Pirates. This will not be a Pittsburgh Pirates higher note. This will be the Pittsburgh Pirates low note of the season, hopefully. But Giolito went out through all nine innings, gave up one walk, struck out 13, and didn't give up a hit. So the first no-hitter of this pandemic Shortened season goes to Lucas Giolito. I believe he threw, yeah, 74 strikes and 101 pitches. Just pounding the Efficient. zone. Efficient. Uh, nine innings, 101 pitches, 74 strikes. Uh, I'm going to add one more also from today within it. Uh, Adam Wainwright, 39 years old, uh, celebrated his birthday Let's today. Complete game uh, win uh, today. So really? still at 39. He is still uh, doing well. Another one from today, Luis Robert, three-run uh, walk-off home run. Uh, as part of the transitioning to teams, the White Sox, uh, it surprised me when I was doing a quick look at the uh, division uh, standings before we got started here, White Sox now in second place uh, in the AL Central. They are surging. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10, uh, and uh, lots of players 
uh, doing well on that team, breaking out and coming together. Uh, but we'd be remiss uh, if we didn't talk Luke Voigt uh, with another one who's uh, in a, uh, a, a huge week. Yeah, on a heater, yeah, Luke Voigt. The Yankees, as mentioned, they've been struggling. It has not been because Luke Voigt has not filled in admirably for all of the offense that has been lost in the last few days. Luke Voigt, I believe, in the last week he had – it actually started, it was the beginning of this week and the end of last week. At one point, he had one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive games where he hit a home run, but it still kept going. Right now, Luke Voigt's hitting 308 on the year. He's got 12 home runs, very quietly has 12 home runs, if you ask me, 22 RBIs, and he's only been up 91 times. So Luke Voigt doing his part to help the Yankees, but they got to start winning some games here. And the Mets, the last at least today helped out with that. But we'll seven see. game losing streak yeah, that for the Yankees. Very often in New York. Uh, massive slide uh, gave the Rays a four game lead. Now I think it's three and a half because they had the double header today. So I think it's a three and a half game lead over the Yankees right now. Uh, the Mets are the cure to uh, many teams struggling woes, and uh, they definitely helped out the Yankees today. The Yankees were down seven to two and going into the last uh, in the seventh inning of the double header. So the last inning, and they came back and won that game. Really, I didn't see that. I just so, saw they won. I, that's awesome. <laughs> that's now the second the time Mets, they had it come from Mets behind. Mets bullpen. Yes. Mets bullpen. Was it who who tried to close that game? Did you see? That was Diaz. Oh, uh, and the, what they've been able to tell is when his when he's his fastball is good, but it's only good when it's connected to the slider. He wasn't throwing the slider much today. So when he doesn't have that pitch on, that's how you're going to know if you have good Diaz or bad Diaz. Just check the slider, and that'll let you know whether to uh, cringe or or not if you are a Mets fan. Uh, Pirates positive. Let's go ahead and uh, take care of that here. You know, we just talked about them uh, uh, getting no hit. Uh, it happens. I watched that, unfortunately, against the Rays happened a few times. Uh, so I, I get it. Uh, but the positive for today is the uh, uh, the double digits. Congratulations to the double digit uh, category. Ten wins. Half of those wins are, I believe, at least against the Brewers. I think at least half of those ten are against the Brewers. Yeah. But, yeah, ten wins. They're at yeah. ten wins. And, I'll give him another positive here. We didn't even talk about this one. Josh Bell, who's been really cold most of the season, is I watched the last few games, obviously all of them, because they played at the Brewers, and he had at least a hit in every game. I think he had two hits in most of them, and he had multiple home runs in that series. So maybe the slugger is finally starting to wake up a little bit, and that's only going to help him. Maybe they can get – I don't think they get 15 wins, 20 wins out of this season. I think that would have to be considered a positive. They could get 20 wins. Oh, absolutely. This is a uh – uh, a team has had a lot of different challenges for a whole host of reasons. We've seen other teams uh, surprise and and perform outperform expectations early on. Uh, Baltimore being uh, one of those teams, uh, Marlins being another one of those teams. Uh, not expecting for the Pirates to be on that list, uh, but uh, still seeing some positives going on there and and. Uh, uh, good luck for them with everything. Uh, they have been the bane of the Milwaukee Brewers' existence this yeah. season, and and. I want to say this for all Brewers fans in our area. You know, obviously we, we broadcast this we in, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, so Brewers is going to be a part of it. And uh, whenever I talk to people, it's just been, and I mentioned the Brewers, all it is is a scowl. That's all that I see. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even get words anymore. I just get a scowl. Uh, but the despite everything that has happened, they're only one game back of, of the playoffs. That's the weird year that we are in right now. Uh, only Don't one lose game hope back. yet, Brewers fans. Don't lose hope yet. It's hard. I know. I'm right in the ball game with you, but we—he's right. We got a chance yet. Don't don't sell off all our great players. Don't give rid of. I see these Brandon Woodruff rumors too. Do not do it, please. Keep him. 
and you have a uh, that was even I think if anyone heard that that was my cat agreeing I I with stepped you. Stepped on it for a second. Uh, <laughs> Did I step on you. But the uh, with Major League Baseball handing out participation awards in uh, playoffs this year, uh, there's a lot more uh, playoff spots to go around. This is a weird year, but still a chance for a, a lot of things to happen. And uh, we're only halfway through this thing, so we'll see where the rest of this wild ride uh, takes us. Uh, but speaking of halfway, and we're at the the peak, we had our. Uh, our trading deadline uh, hot stove preview last week mm-hmm. in our podcast, and uh, we're now at the the thick of everything. Uh, so we want to break down the trades that have happened so far, uh, the major rumors that are out there right now. Again, with Sunday games ending at our time period, uh, we're hearing a lot more activity heating up on the hot stove right now on, on Twitter. Some things that have happened since we started recording, as well as a few more things coming out as uh, uh, getting closer to taking place, whether or not it still happens tonight or if it's tomorrow before the deadline. There's a few more things that are going on. Yeah, so let's start with the ones that have happened so far. Let's start with the ones that we know have happened. Taiwan Walker was the first trade of the new season, at least a big-name trade. Taiwan Walker went to the Blue Jays for a player to be named later or cash. He actually had a start, I believe it was yesterday, with the Blue Jays, and it was really good. So the Blue Jays, I don't think they're going to compete this year. Maybe they will sneak into the playoffs that last spot, but we've mentioned it. It is a team that's had almost everything thrown against them, having to play not even a single home game playing in Buffalo, but Taiwan Walker just gives him another starting pitcher. I don't, I think he's under contract next year yet. I have to check that. But. I, I think he's a rental. Is he? Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a, he's a rental, but again, they have, if they like what they see, uh, they can easily uh, retain him. The, the money's not a problem. Of all the teams that are looking at potential, uh, uh, trying to cut back salaries or the issues for next year, uh, they're one of the deep pocket teams uh, because mm-hmm. most of their payrolls to a, uh, uh, is uh, or most of their um, their parent company uh, has other revenue that goes through, so they're less dependent on this. Uh, so they're in uh, an upswing, and uh, especially for the playoffs this year, Walker is going to be a, a big part of what they need with that starting rotation. They're still looking for more starting uh, pitching help. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he was a rent. He's a rental. You're right. And today or August 29th, so yesterday he went six innings, didn't give up a single earned run, struck out four, and got the win against Baltimore. So that's that's what you like to see. It is going to be harder going from Seattle to that very tiny ballpark that they're currently playing in in Buffalo, and now he gets to face the Yankees offense, the Rays offense, the surprisingly good Baltimore offense. So we'll see. As you said, it could be worth it. The other early trade that happened was with uh, the Phillies and Red Sox. You had uh, Brandon Workman and uh, uh, Heath Embry. Heath Embry, yeah. Just bullpen moves. The Phillies have to try to improve their bullpen they really have to try to improve their bullpen because like we see in this game right now they have eight runs and they're still they're still getting back. beat they're still getting beat. Atlanta put up a 10 spot in the second <laughs> inning so. uh, and now you have the Phillies down only by two uh, and they're slowly working their way back it's one of those type games I, the Phillies have been playing good too they've I think I when we did our power rankings I talked about I, I want I had the Phillies considerably higher I think than you did and I really like the Phillies but we'll see the uh, teams with uh, the most oh uh Consecutive wins right now uh, is the the Rays in the American League with five straight and the Phillies with five straight in the National League. They're working on six tonight. We'll see. Let's talk about the Rays trade. They acquired Brett Phillips, who Milwaukee fans should remember. I actually have an autographed baseball bat of Brett Phillips. Did you know that? I did not know that. I should have sent a picture. I have an autographed Brett Phillips baseball bat. But Brett Phillips went to the Rays from the Royals in exchange for Lucius Fox, who is a triple A, double A, shortstop. 
Triple A shortstop, uh, known for defense and speed, but the bat has never materialized. They have some shortstop. I heard they have a decent shortstop prospect in Tampa Bay too. So I have a feeling that he He's wasn't going to have much of a chance. He's not bad. So I don't, we we talked about this before. Some started. wander guy. Yeah, some wander guy. They even have a Vidal that I hear is not too bad either playing down there. So I'm excited for him as well. Yeah, uh, Brett Phillips. We're not really sure what the Rays are going to do with Brett Phillips. You mentioned that you saw something about maybe just some future move. Yeah, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is, uh, I don't think he's long for the, the team anymore. This gets to be the point. He's got two more years left on his contract, uh, the most expensive years of his contract. This is the Rays' MO. They uh, lock guys up to long term. They get good value for them, but when they get to the last two, it's they move them on for uh, different prospects and uh, keep that uh, farm system humming, and it, it's worked. Uh, so uh, we'll wait and see what uh, what happens, but he's... Uh, his defensive arm, his defensibility for Brett Phillips makes him a potential uh, replacement along with uh, Manuel Margot. They already have some center field type uh, arms that are there defensively. So we'll wait and see what happens. But this feels like it's waiting for an- another shoe to drop. You tell me, do you want to stick with the Rays or do you want to stick with speedy center fielders? Let's wrap up Rays at least at this point, and that's that they traded Jose Martinez to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Cubs are looking for a... Uh, a left-handed pitching masher, uh, Martinez, that's his M.O. for his career. Hasn't shown it yet, but it's only 38 at-bats. Uh, and kind of a peculiar move for the Rays, uh, taking someone off the major league uh, roster. You're trying to improve it, not subtract from it. Uh, but uh, the big part of that offseason trade included Randy uh, Rosarina. Uh, they called him up today. Uh, the thought is to give them more flexibility, someone who can, who can play defense. Another outfield. So, yeah, I don't know. And, well, they're also rumored to be looking at another one, too, That's, but we'll talk we'll about that later. later. Yeah. Uh, Jose Martinez. I talked about Jose Martinez when the Rays in our offseason podcast, if you go way back to that, that I really like Jose Martinez. I thought he'd be a really good DH, and now that the DH is in the National League, the Cubs can put him in that lineup. And like you said, lefty masher, Kyle Schwarber, I think, has been playing DH mostly for the Cubs, and he's mashes right-handers, so maybe it's just a platoon thing. But Martinez can't play defense. He can certainly hit. And we don't know what the Rays are getting back. It sounds like two players to be named later, so they must really like one of them. And again, for any of the players to be named later, you're going to hear a lot of that in trades uh, uh, this uh, this deadline. And that's because you can only list the 60 that are on your, uh, your current uh, roster and taxi squad. Uh, so everyone else is a player to be named later. So there can be a lot of good players still traded. You just won't know for at least a few months who those players are. Let's go to a player who is traded for not a player to be named later, but just international bonus pool money, and that's Gerard Dyson. What was with the Pirates, very speedy center fielder, somebody who can't steal first base, but very good at defense, and he got traded to the White Sox, and we just talked about They've been pounding out hits. They have one of the best offenses in the game. So if they get a lead, they have not had a very great defense, a poor one defensively, poor defensively. So I would expect Gerard Dyson is a late-game replacement. Use him as a pinch runner if you get to the extra innings and you have that guy on second, something like that. The exact type of uh, uh, small role that uh, can play a, a big role down the stretch. Ooh, let's go to, let's do the Tommy LaStella trade. So Tommy LaStella got traded to the Athletics. We mentioned LaStella last week in our previews a couple times just because the Angels are clearly out of it somehow, and they have a couple of pieces. LaStella was one, and David Fletcher is the other one that makes a lot of sense. LaStella got traded for Franklin Barreto to the Athletics, and Barreto has been an interesting case in that he was once one of the top shortstop prospects in the game, very highly rated. I believe he was the big piece that got Josh Donaldson to... Toronto, and so Franklin Barreto got traded now straight up to the Angels. 
for Tommy Lestella. I would expect Lestella slots in at second base. About the only weak spot that they have uh, right now, and yeah. so it's a, a nice fit for for Oakland, and uh, uh, I think that's going to be an underrated move uh, for them. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see Lestella with the A's, and the Angels get Franklin Barreto, and Barreto is nice that he's not been developed the way that people want to, but he's still very young, and the Angels are. Somehow they're rebuilding. So if they get something out of him, I, Andrelton Simmons is a name, as you've heard mentioned a few times in the trade deadline. Barreto could, if they trade Andrelton Simmons, Barreto could slide in right at shortstop. And I think if we look at the, because we're seeing the, the team that is playing right now, they already have uh, had him going earlier today. You had uh, Tommy Malone uh, traded Malone. to the Atlanta Braves from the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, is that right? No, that yes, you're right. Yep, Baltimore okay. Orioles. He's just another depth piece for their rotation. We've talked about the Braves' rotation being decimated by injuries. I don't think Tommy Malone is their big move. I think they'd like to make another move into this rotation, but it's gotten decimated by injuries. It's Max Freed left in a lot of not much. They showed, uh, it was on uh, Twitter this week, Max Freed, his numbers uh, are awesome, uh, perfect there. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then elsewhere you have uh, uh, the rest of the rotation and ERA over six. Yep. Uh, so it's they, they need bodies. They need people to at least try to, to bring that back down. It's incredible that they've, that their record is what it is. When you you look at when you see those numbers, those stats, and somehow they have this record, it is amazing to me. Tommy Malone was really good for Baltimore. He was at he had a sub four ERA and thirty one strikeouts to four walks. But tonight, I believe he started this game, and you're seeing that they've got given up eight runs. So not a great team debut, but someone who can eat some innings for you. And they've also scored ten tonight, so they showed that they can score some runs. It's just can they keep some off the board? Absolutely. Let's uh, go to San Diego. Where do you want to start in well, San Diego? Uh, they're pretty much they are the deadline. It's, so it's far. all players go to uh, to San Diego. You have the the big name closer, uh, Trevor Rosenthal, to help out shore shore up there. Uh, you have uh, Jason Castro, uh, catcher from the Angels, uh, now helping out over there. You have Mitch Moreland, who's going to be their uh, DH. Uh, we mentioned with the National League DH coming from uh, from Boston. There's three big moves. I'll let you break them down and potentially a fourth one waiting to hear confirmation. Uh, Austin Nola, the uh, breakout uh, uh, catcher from the Seattle Mariners who has been tearing it up, uh, is uh, on his way to potentially the second catcher, although he has positional flexibility, uh, on the way to the Padres. It sounds like they're not done yet, which we'll talk about. But let's start with Rosenthal. So I mentioned Pomeranz came back from the IL, and they traded Rosenthal for Edward Olivares, who, if you remember back to the start of the summer camp, kind of came on late. He was very young, not really expected to make a huge impact this year, but had such a great summer camp they couldn't keep him off the roster, and then he got to the regular season and he struggled. So they traded him for Trevor Rosenthal and a player to be named later. I don't know if Rosenthal will close. I don't know if Pomeranz will close. I don't know if Pagano will close. But at this point, it's we have a the Padres should feel confident in their bullpen that one of those guys should be able to get the job done. Now, Mitch Moreland to San Diego. Moreland has been playing pretty well for the Red Sox. They traded him for Hudson Potts and Justin Rosario. I don't know a lot about those guys. I know that they're minor leaguers. I know that people think pretty highly of Justin Rosario, but he's at least two, three years away. So that's what the, if you're a Boston fan, that's what you want. You just want high upside players because your team is not competing in the near future, I don't think. As for the Padres, Mitch Moreland slots in, like you mentioned, to DH. He can play some first base, and he mashes. I believe he mashes right-handers. Correct. Uh, and uh, an underrated move that could actually be very, uh, very good for them. 
uh, all the moves make sense, and they're still, yeah, not not done yet. They're trying to make another uh, one or two impact moves. We'll see what happens in the next 24 hours. Uh, you have uh, some bullpen uh, things taking place. Uh, Michael Gibbons from Baltimore on his way to the Colorado Rockies. Uh, so Baltimore's doing exactly what they should do right here, and that they're moving away these pieces. Baltimore's not – Baltimore – has been competitive. We've talked about this. Baltimore has been surprisingly competitive, but anybody taking an honest assessment of the Baltimore Orioles has to realize that this is not the team that they expect to be competitive with against a team like the Rays or the Yankees. So, yes, you've been competitive so far. Take advantage of what you're getting. Tommy Malone's pitched great for you. Trade him away for what you can get. I don't know who they're going to get for the, from the Braves, but trade him away. Michael Givens has pitched fairly well for him, and every team's going to want someone who's capable in the bullpen. Colorado has been surprisingly good. So Colorado must think that they're in it because they traded away Tyler Nevin and Taryn Vavra, who are, once again, I can't talk about that. I do not know. I know minor league prospects to some extent, but I do not know that the depth of minor league prospects we're talking about here. But I do know that it has to be a good move for Baltimore and that they're taking advantage of an asset they have for future assets. Ultimately, what we're talking about this trading deadline is what we mentioned last week. You're not going to see... Uh, many blockbuster trades. This is all going to be depth or uh, uh, rentals uh, that you see a flurry of activity. That's one thing we predicted, just not big names. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those potential big names in, in just a moment here, but uh, uh, Michael Givens is an underrated uh, late-inning reliever uh, that is going to do uh, be an imp- be impactful for Colorado. If the season would end today, uh, they would be one of the teams in the playoffs. So, And they've had horrendous relief pitching yes. last I checked yes. they had Wade Davis got hurt right and then Scott Olberg has been ineffective and Jairo Diaz I watched meltdown earlier last week so any relief pitcher help any team that's in competitive always wants relief pitcher help and if it's two prospects that are ways away in this case then it's worth it for both teams Let's talk about the players that haven't been traded yet, but are very much rumored to be on the move in the next 24 hours. Uh, Lance Lynn is uh, coming into this, the starting pitcher that's most likely uh, to be moved. He's under contract through next year for only $8 million. He is someone you can slot in at the top of your rotation, uh, and... uh, that's going to have considerable value from not only financially when, when teams are trying to pinch their, their pennies right now, uh, he's affordable through next year. He's impactful for this year. Uh, there's not uh, a clear-cut front runner yet on him. I actually will take my shot on where some of these guys are going to end up. I, Lance Lynn will be traded, I do believe, because Texas has already shown that they're willing to move players, and at this point, Lance Lynn, is never, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. He has pitched awesome this year. I think that San Diego's already been aggressive. They've already shown they want to win. I really think that they want Lance Lynn or Mike Clevenger. And I think that Lance Lynn is more likely for San Diego for a player like Adrian Morion has made some – I think he might be hurt right now, but he's pitched already at the big league level. They're not like, – anybody who says Mackenzie Gore is going to trade is crazy. They're never going to trade Mackenzie Gore. Luis Patino you could see moved – uh, and they have they have a lot of pitching. They have a lot of outfielders. Taylor Trammell has been rumored to be up in the big leagues, and Texas is talking about trading some of their outfielders. So maybe it's a couple of those guys and it, or one of those big names and some lower names, but I do think Lance Lynn makes a lot of sense in San Diego. It sounds like the the latest reports on Twitter is that they are no, they're no longer the front runners for Mike Clevenger, which means they'll pivot to uh, uh, pivot to the Lance Lynn uh, again, a chance to get an impactful starting pitcher, regardless of which one. Uh, right now, Mike Clevenger. If we're talking the the last of the major like starting pitchers that are out there that are ace level 
uh, John Heyman and uh, Bob Nightingale are reporting. Uh, well, first, John Heyman, that uh, it's no longer the Padres in the lead, and Bob Nightingale said that he's pretty much good as gone. Uh, he expects him to be gone in the next 24 hours, and the team that's up on the board here for us is the one that's being talked about the most, the Atlanta Braves. It makes uh, so much sense. It John Morosi so much sense. has mentioned that they've asked about Drew Waters. Uh, so, ooh, yeah. So Drew Waters, okay, so here's one I can't talk about because I know the high-end prospect. So Drew Waters is an outfield prospect, uh, somebody that – they, we, I think I mentioned Christian Pache got called up last week to fill in for Ronald Acuna. He's since been sent down, but Pache is probably considered their top prospect in the outfield, but Drew Waters is right behind him, and he's hits. He's a switch hitter. I know he is. And so if you could get a guy like Drew Waters as the top person in that trade, that makes a lot of sense. They need offense. Cleveland needs offense. If you've watched Cleveland play, they are tied for with the White Sox for first in that division, which is based on almost entirely on the fact that their pitching is phenomenal because their offense has not been. Drew Waters, very fast. I think he stole almost 20 bases last year, hit around 300. Would make a lot of sense as a as like a leadoff hitter type in that. They have a good leadoff hitter, but as a top end of the order type bat in the Cleveland offense. Would make a lot of sense. Again, they're a very uh, uh, analytical organization, so they're going to be looking for the best value that they can get uh, for Clevenger. Uh, ideally, I... I I know they're looking for an, someone who can contribute now in the middle of their playoff run. I think uh, Drew Waters can do that. If, I think if Drew Waters could do if that. If he's ready, then I think that's uh, what you're looking for. Uh, even if not, they're not going to sacrifice uh, high-end talent for immediacy. Uh, as much as they want that, they're going to make sure they get maximum value. So I, I, I see the Braves making the most sense there as well. Uh, I still see Toronto uh, as another one. White Sox, I mean, those are the, the biggest teams that are looking for uh, front end of rotation help uh, that are going to be the most aggressive with parting with prospects. We'll wait and see which one turns out. Uh, last one for Texas, uh, as far as uh, Texas has two major players uh, that uh, can be leading uh, the rumors rumor mill over the, the next 24 hours. Joey Gallo uh, has come up in the last uh, 12 hours here of being a, a name that they would be considering willing to move. He has two more years uh, under team control, so he's not a rental by any means. Uh, he is your true uh, three-outcome uh, player uh, from strikeout, walk, and home run. Uh, he hasn't looked completely himself yet this year. He didn't since the injury last before last year. He was an MVP ceiling guy right before that, so there's still a bit of uncertainty of how do you place his value uh, but there's plenty of teams that are looking at him. The Tampa Bay Rays are being mentioned by Ken Rosenthal uh, as being uh, one guy that they're looking at. Uh, again, we're talking outfielders with the uh, with the Rays. I would expect to talk pitching, uh, and we will with uh, a bullpen name. I'll throw this in there, then I'll get your thoughts on both. Uh, the Rays are also looking at Daniel Norris, the left-handed pitcher from the Detroit Tigers, also mentioned by Ken Rosenthal, uh, someone who would be a multi-inning reliever who has looked very well for the Tigers in that role, moved out of the starting role into more of a uh, uh, a multi-inning uh, relief role, and he has shined so far this year. Daniel Norris makes a lot of sense for what Tampa Bay does. They, they have success with a lot of those reclamation project types, and Daniel Norris was not all that far removed from being a considered a pretty high big prospect himself as a left-handed pitcher for Detroit. So I could absolutely see them making a move for a player like Daniel Norris. I don't see how Joey Gallo fits in Tampa Bay at all. He just seems like Hunter Renfro redone to me. and A higher version of Hunter a Renfro? A better version of Hunter Renfro. He, Renfro gets moved as part of this. So they're, they're known for moving out parts very quickly. 
I want Joey Gallo to go. I mentioned this before we started. I want him. If Colorado is saying they're all yes. in, if Colorado's saying they're all in, right? We're going in. We're trading for much Michael Givens. Trade for Joey Gallo. I want to see Joey Gallo fortify your offense. It's already good, but get it even better. If you, you're not going to make a move for Lance Lynn, you're not going to make a move for Mike Clevenger. So I want Colorado to go for Joey Gallo. I think it'd be fun. Ultimately, where, where I'm at when it comes to the trading deadline, yes, you're trying to fill needs, but improve where you can improve. Uh, it, where, wherever you can find impactful players that are going to upgrade your team, it doesn't matter if it's the greatest area of need. Uh, if you can turn a, a strength into a greater strength, that still makes you a, a better contender for the stretch run. Yeah, Colorado's playing Matt Kemp at DH. Come on. Are you kidding me? He's still hanging around. Rymel Tapia at left field. Joey Gallo can find a spot. It would be a fun team. It would be a great fit for him. He would have protection in the lineup. Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, Joey Gallo, and Trevor Story. Let's go. It would be a fun uh, fun uh, lineup to, to watch with him there, especially hitting home runs in that park. Uh, Starling Marte, we mentioned the Arizona yeah. Diamondbacks are sellers. Uh, their closer, Archie Bradley, is another one that could be available. For those that want to take a shot on Robbie Ray, uh, you know, that's there <laughs> too. But uh, Starling Marte is the interesting one. He's under contract through next year. Uh, but for those that are looking for center fielder uh, help, uh, he's having a very productive uh, first half of this uh, quarantine season. Yeah, that one's surprising me because I, I knew that the Diamondbacks would be willing to trade, but I thought it'd be a lot of the pitchers. I'm surprised they're willing to move Starling Marte, but we've heard that one mentioned. And so if we're talking the Cleveland Indians wanting to get Drew Waters, which makes a lot of sense to plug in their outfield, Starling Marte is a proven Drew Waters. Drew Waters, if Drew Waters hits his peak, he's Starling Marte, who can hit 20 home runs and steal I don't know if he can steal 50 bases like Sterling Marte did that one year, 47, I guess he got to. But if they want to try to improve their offense a lot, I don't know what they have to give up. I don't know if – I don't know if Zach – I don't think they're going to trade Mike Clevenger to the Diamondbacks. It's possible. It could happen. I think if you want to try and trade to Zach Plesak and somebody else to see if they can get Sterling Marte, that would make a ton of sense for what Cleveland wants. Any team would be happy to have Sterling Marte. He's still 31, like you said. He's got another year of control. It's not a true rental. And he's hitting 322 already this year. And – He's hit 295 last year, so this is what Starling Marte does. Plays a good center field, hits for power, steals bases. Baseball doesn't do much of the three-team trades. That's more of an NBA thing. Uh, once in a while. But once in a while, it, it does happen, and it feels like Arizona is the, the third team uh, that's possible in, in different types of trades. This is one where Marte fits perfectly with the Cleveland Indians now. Mm-hmm. Drew Waters fits for long term. Uh, if the Braves find a way to get Marte from the Diamondbacks and they move him over to Indians, there's your two pieces. I think that's all that's it takes awesome. to get Clevenger. Uh, and that would be a, a great trade for the, the Indians. Uh, I don't know, again, Marte's not going to cost... And Jordan Luplow in the center, in the outfield right now, yeah. so... Marte's going to cost, but he's not going to cost big. I, I think that's a three-team trade that makes a lot of sense across the board. Uh, and so I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I was just looking at my phone while you were talking. Caleb Smith is being mentioned in a lot of trades from the Marlins. So the Marlins were the hard one, right? Because playing competitive baseball, playing competitive baseball. And so we didn't know, are they going to be all in, try and win this year? Or are they going to try to move some of their pieces that have been pitching admirably? Caleb Smith is kind of in between and that, Last I checked, he still had not been back since their corona debacle. So it's not surprising to me that teams are interested in Caleb Smith based off what he's shown in the past, though. He's 
hasn't performed up to, I think he had a great first half last year, and then he was mentioned a lot at the trading deadline last year, and it never, nothing ever materialized. Uh, but since then, he, he's been under, av- uh, under below average. Uh, but that also would be the right type of, uh, the right type of uh, uh, move for a, an analytical team who feels that they can fix him or tweak uh, to get those numbers back. Uh, I still wonder about Matthew Boyd from uh, Detroit. Uh, he was mentioned huge at the last trading deadline, uh, and uh, he has not performed well so yep. far this year, but he's been starting to turn it around. That changeup mm-hmm. has come around. Uh, he is, his last two or three starts have been very good. Uh, how much someone wants to believe in that and risk that f- uh, for a prospect return because uh, Detroit's not going to sell low on him. So how much are you willing to trade despite the the numbers not necessarily being there? For throwing out left-handed starting pitchers who've been struggling this year but I think could be available in trade. we got to mention Mike Miner, too, from Texas. Mike Miner, same basic thing, kind of like Matthew Boyd, a little older version of Matthew Boyd. Mike Miner's got five losses already. It has not been pretty this year, but the FIP is a lot better than the ERA. The ERA is 5-6. The FIP is 4-8-4, which isn't great, but he's still – they're not going to just give him away, but a team – who thinks they could use more starting pitching? A player, a team like the Braves, if they don't get Mike Clevenger, could they make a trade one of their? They have one of the deepest farm systems in the game. Could they trade one of those guys and get a player like Mike Miner? I think that would that could easily happen. Absolutely, I think that wraps up all the names for uh, for this point. We'll uh, uh, next week as well. We'll do a, as part of our news and notes. We'll give you who we think was the winners and losers of this uh, trading deadline. Uh, break down the remaining uh, trades that take place between now and then. Uh, but for now, what we're going to wrap up with, a uh, big part of our podcast is going to be doing our uh, divisional look. We're going to go division by division, uh, looking at where the standings are, uh, things that surprised us, anything that's standing out, questions that we have. We're going to throw it back and forth at each other. Uh, American League, National League, where do you want to start? Let's start with the AL. Let's start with the American League East. Your division here, your team's division. So if we're going off of the AL East, your Rays have been playing very good baseball and are currently four games up on the New York Yankees, who are well half a game up only at this point on the Toronto Blue Jays, and then it's the Orioles and the Red Sox. So the Baltimore's fallen off a little bit. They're now four games below 500. Boston is considerably pulling up the rear here. Are you feeling confident in your team, the Rays? If someone would have told me all of their injuries first and then told me where I would rank them in one through five, I would not put them one. And I definitely would not put them at 24 and 11 uh, and you know, 15 and three in their last 18 games. Uh, it is an incredible story, an incredible... Uh, some Rays fans have always wondered, because it's been boasting about their pitching depth Uh, They're pitching uh, riches for a few years now. Some have wondered if the Durham Bulls pitching staff would be better than some major league teams. Now have the answer. Uh, They have performed uh, uh, very well. Uh, I don't believe that is sustainable, though, with this staff. Now, if players are coming back healthy, Charlie Morton is expected back uh, this week versus the Yankees. That's going to be a huge help. Uh, That's your big three. Those are the ones that you need healthy. Uh, you need Ryan Yarbrough to for that injury to be minor. Uh, he eats innings uh, and has been a sneaky underrated pitcher for the last couple of years now. Uh, his win-loss record is, is impressive uh, since he's come into the majors. Uh, the offense has been good. Uh, Brandon Lau is uh, looking like a uh, MVP uh, candidate. 
Uh, now, he's starting to taper off a little bit, but he's uh, been very good uh, for them. So this has been going according to prediction. I said that the, the Rays would uh, win the division, uh, and right now they're making me look good in spite of crazy circumstances. We'll see how that holds with uh, the Yankees. We said a two-team race, though Toronto was going to be interesting this year. What was their ceiling right away? We know what their long-term ceiling is, but for this year, that's what we are intrigued to see, and I think that has gone uh, one of the few that has gone according yeah. to uh, prediction. Yeah, I think I think we both mentioned we thought Tampa Bay and New York would make the playoffs, and I absolutely still think Tampa Bay and New York will make the playoffs, and if the Yankees can get healthy, it's... That's that's their point at this point. Can they make it to and get some of those big name backs back in their lineup? And Toronto, eighteen and fourteen. I believe they're a game back of the last wild card spot if we ended today. But that's that's a team that they could still easily get there. So I wouldn't expect they made a move for Taiwan Walker. Maybe they make one more move yet. It'll be interesting to see what they what they do if there's if they're the mystery team in with Mike Clevenger. You know that always that uh, dreaded mystery team and all this stuff. So, so do you we'll think see what well, happens? I got a question for you about Baltimore. So they've yeah. lost five in a row, fallen back to life a little bit. They've traded Michael Givens and Tommy Malone. Do they trade one of their bigger players that have been red hot? Anthony Santander, Pedro Severino. I don't think so. I think they're just going to trade the the guys on the edges, uh, relievers. You, it's always worth selling high to see what you can get for them, as volatile as that is. There's only one more year of team control for for Givens anyways, uh, so that one makes sense. Tommy Malone, I think, is a, is he a free agent at the end of this year? I don't remember if he's a rental or not, but he is not part of their core. I think they're going to keep their core group and try to keep uh, uh, growing from there. Yeah, one, uh, don't be a free agent after this year. So the Braves will have to make a decision on Tommy Malone. Let's move on, shall we? AL Central? Yeah, we have the the Indians uh, and the White Sox in a first place tie at twenty one and thirteen. Uh, Minnesota has been on a skid after leading that division for the the majority of the year here. Now they've lost five straight. Uh, their offense has gone quiet uh, during the stretch, uh, and then you have Detroit and Kansas City. Detroit a surprising uh, five hundred record, sixteen and sixteen, uh, and then Kansas City thirteen and twenty one. So you have a three team race. Uh, at this point, uh, we knew Minnesota's offense would be very good. We wondered if their pitching would be good enough. Uh, Cleveland, we knew their pitching would be good. We wondered if their hitting would be good enough. And then it's the White Sox, uh, who are the most active team in the offseason, who we both thought was ready for uh, a playoff role. Yeah, I think we've sort of called this one. I, I feel pretty good about this. I feel all three of those teams, I think, are going to make the playoffs. That If I had to say right now, I think all three of those teams will make the playoffs. So then it comes down to, is Cleveland's offense going to be enough? And Shane Bieber, next week we're going to talk about predictions. I'm sure that at least one of us will mention Shane Bieber as a Cy Young Award winner, if not both of us. And he's been awesome. And pitching wins in playoff games, but do they have the depth? Because if they trade away Mike Clevenger, which we don't know yet, that's your that's your number two pitcher. Mike Clevenger has had his issues, but that is their second best pitcher they have on that team. And the White Sox, they have Lucas Giolito, but and it's Dallas Keuchel, and Dallas Keuchel's won a Cy Young Award in the past, but that's four years ago, five years ago. Now they can hit with the best of them. Speaking of hitting with the best of them, Minnesota, it's been a little cold lately, but Nelson Cruz still pounding out hits. Josh Donaldson hasn't been there. So they are missing a guy that I believe you predicted to win the MVP in that division or in that entire. That's, that's the problem. Whenever you you pick an injury uh, prone player, uh, that's always what comes back to bite you. And, uh, 
Uh, he, like, they expect him back. They're not saying season ending, so it's just a matter of when is that going to happen. But this was an injury that knocked him out for half a year uh, in, in previous seasons. So uh, right now it's exactly what you'd expect, a three-team race. All of them are neck and neck with each other. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the most exciting division to watch uh, as we uh, head into the second half of the year. Go ahead. Do you think that Kansas City will trade away some of their players like Whit Merrifield or Aldoberto Mondesi, who has been horrendously bad? Kansas City, for some reason or another, does not like to trade uh, most of their players. They, they've, uh, they're always bandied about because, like, well, what's the point of having this guy on a losing team? Don't you want to do a, a rebuild or something that's going to help you build towards future success? But that's just not their MO for whatever reason. Uh, so I don't expect them to be uh, involved any more than uh, maybe Greg Holland. They, they trade their uh, rentals, but mm-hmm. they don't trade guys with team control. Yeah. Thanks. Kansas City is an interesting team in that I think that they've, I think if you asked Kansas City fans before the year, they they would have taken it at this point. 13 and 21, you're, you know, eight games under 500. But I'm not sure that it's a bad season for Kansas City. They're playing, they're making some development moves, I would say. I would agree with that, and I think right now they have the the uh, the future closer that is the envy of baseball. Josh Stamont is amazing to watch. His curveball and 100-plus uh, mile-an-hour fastball combo, uh, he's the new Aroldis Chapman. I, I'm already willing to say that he is that good. The pitch tunneling of both of those pitches, it's been shown so many times on Twitter. Uh, it's amazing that he's only had, what, maybe... 10 games, uh, 15 games uh, to his career at this point, but I, I'm already ready to anoint him as one of the best closers in baseball right now. Oh, I'm, I, I'm all in on Josh Damon, too. I, I love the guy. So let's go west. Let's go west. I, sh- I should mention, let's start at the bottom here because I talked up the Los Angeles Angels plenty on this podcast, and their pitching staff has led them to a current 12-23 and 23 record, which is, I believe, yes, it is, the worst winning percentage in the American League. So... Yeah, that one's rough. And then we work from the bottom up. Texas, trading away their players already. We just talked about that. And Seattle, followed by Houston and Oakland. And Oakland and Houston, it's it's already a two-team race. This one's already a two-team race. It's Oakland is two and a half games ahead of Houston at this point. And after that, it drops way off before you hit Seattle. So who's going to win, Oakland or Houston? I see no reason why Oakland won't, uh, uh, won't come away with this. Houston is, uh, after a slow start, uh, they are coming back around. Uh, they don't have the pitching. Uh, if Verlander can actually come back, maybe that changes. Uh, but you also don't know what Verlander is going to look like when he does come back. Uh, so right now, Oakland is the, even though the Rays have them edged out uh, for best record, Oakland has been the best team in the American League uh, consistently throughout the year. Rays have been the, the hottest right now, but most consistently, Oakland is, has been uh, that best team. They don't have a weakness. Starting pitching is good. Bullpen, very good. Uh, they can hit for uh, for power uh, all up and down that that lineup. Uh, they can hit for, uh, for average. There's players that are doing that very well. They don't have a single weakness right now. It's just going to be uh, with younger players, how are they going to perform in a postseason role? Uh, but they've been trying to grow uh, from last year to the wild card game against the Rays. Uh, they're, they've always been on that edge, uh, and this is the year that they're taking the next step up. A lot of it's 
a lot of it's players that if you don't watch a lot of baseball like we do, it, you might not know some of these names. Like Liam Hendricks has been very good for them. Robbie Grossman, Mark Canna, Stephen Piscotti. I mean, some of those guys you've probably heard of, but a lot of those guys, Mark Canna and Robbie Grossman have been awesome for this team. And they're not young. They're 30 and 31. They've bounced around baseball, but Oakland has a little bit of magic out there and they seem to get the best out of players and find a ways to use them. And we mentioned, they just added Tommy LaSella. So this, this team is a team that knows what they're doing and they're going all in to try to win this year again. Mark Canha is the A's version of Max Muncy, uh, mm-hmm. a guy out of nowhere uh, that has been uh, just uh, obliterating baseballs since he's been in there. He's one of the most underrated designated hitters, and he's played a few other uh, some position flexibility some there too. Him. Yeah, because they uh, could play Chris Davis at DH when they need to, and he's actually become a part time player for them. But yeah, it's it's a very good team. And as I look through this division, the entire American League, there is a clear eight teams here, and Toronto is part of it. Because if you say you got two teams in each division, it's Tampa Bay and New York, it's Chicago. However, you're going to do the Central, it's those three teams: Chicago, Cleveland, and Minnesota, and it's Oakland and Houston. Which means Toronto just needs to stay ahead of stay the course, uh, just Detroit. stay the course, and they're in, right? Detroit's the only other one that's even with a 500 record. So to me, it's we're going to have a different opinion in the National League, but the American League is pretty much set. Yeah, I uh, it, it would take. Uh, a major surprise for these eight teams to be different. Uh, I think the eight have emerged in the American League. Uh, and unless Detroit's young pitching uh, just churns out faster here, which uh, would be a massive surprise at this point, uh, there's no one else in striking distance. Here is your eight. The, the eight teams, now it's just a matter of one through eight. Where do they get set uh, in all of that? And obviously where you place is going to challenge uh, your uh, – Ability to go deeper in the playoffs. Yeah, the the advantage now, we should mention this. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it or not. There is no, especially if they're playing in a bubble, right? There's no home field advantage if they're doing this in the playoffs. So the advantage of being the one seed is you get to pick who you play, if I'm not mistaken. I remember that being talked about. I just can't remember that being confirmed. Uh, But I thought that's how that works. Uh, But either way, one to eight, two to seven, three to six. I mean, the higher up you go, the better Mm -hmm. the, the matchup you get right out of the gate. Uh, so it will be interesting to see, though I'm, I'm not so sold if it is that way. Uh, I'm not so sold on that with one of uh, the White Sox or the or the Twins or the Indians. That's going to be a wild card team, and it's either going to be I wouldn't the, play uh, the, the fourth team or the seventh team because that's how that shakes with the two that are going to be, if not the top two within it. So there's some bad matchups that are going to come despite winning better or more games. Uh, there's some bad matchups that way, so I hope you do get to pick. That AL Central is scary good. Those three teams in the AL Central are really good, and whichever team has to play them, like that, that I don't care which team finishes officially a seventh or whatever in, in the American League, that team is a very good team, whether it's the White Sox, Cleveland, or Minnesota. Let's jump to the NL, should we? Let's go to the NL East. We have uh, Washington is uh, still hanging around despite a 12-19 and 19 record. I don't think they can pull it off, but they've. Uh, it was stated earlier this week they are not trading away pieces. Uh, anyone's asked about some of the smaller guys, Howie Kendrick and, and players of the like, and they're saying we don't sell ever. It was pretty much the uh, uh, as if that was some badge of, of honor. I'm not sure about I that. I don't know why you're proud of that. Like, I don't know. I heard that too. I don't know if they're proud of that. Like, is that something to be proud of to say that we're not going to try to – we think – what's going to happen is they're going to end up being a team that's stuck middling, and that's what you don't want, like tear it down to win. Correct. And uh, the Mets, 15-19, and 19, 
Uh, and again, it's just their bullpen. Uh, that's a whole different team if they have a decent bullpen. Uh, Marlins, who have been the one of the early surprises, now just hit under 500, 14 and 15, but they played three games against the Red Hot Rays, so you know that's going to be part of that too. Uh, and then Phil, uh, Phillies, winners of five straight, 14 and 14. They've started to turn it around. Maybe that's Washington's example. If they would rattle off five straight wins at 17 and 19, uh, we might be having a different conversation. So uh, everything is still pretty close. They're only five and a half games separate worst to first. And Atlanta is first at 18 and 14. Uh, And we're seeing a nice series this weekend between Atlanta and Philly. And Philly, again, has been winning these games. So they're going for the sweep here Uh, tonight, though, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, that is an interesting division. Uh, we've. Can you tell me or explain to me at all, knowing uh, we mentioned the the stats from uh, Max Reed and then the rest of the rotation, how is it that Atlanta has a winning record right now? I think we've mentioned Atlanta just finds a way. I don't know how Atlanta is winning these games. They've had injuries. They've had Ronald Acuna get hurt. They've had all the pitchers get hurt. They've had Ozzy Albies is still hurt. They, some of their superstar players have not been there. And this team wins baseball games, whether it's Freddie Freeman, timely hitting. I don't know how to explain it. Max Reed's been awesome. Absolutely. Max Reed's been incredibly good for them. But otherwise, this is a team that should not be 18 and 14. They're playing above their heads and keep it up. Go for it. I love Atlanta. Freddie Freeman's one of my favorite players. Philadelphia, also, go for it. Keep it up. I'm glad Philadelphia is finally starting to play well. They've. I really do think Philadelphia has better pitching than they've shown. I really like... Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola at the top of the rotation. I really think they could be competitive. And Bryce Harper quietly somehow is he's playing like an MVP, MVP of the National League. Yes. Like when we talk about predictions or we'll be talking about him Bryce next Harper week, I'm sure. will absolutely get a mention because he's playing up to that contract out in right field in Philadelphia. And they can hit with anybody. So I would not be surprised if Philadelphia doesn't catch Atlanta. At this point, you have to say unless Atlanta makes a move, Philadelphia has better pitching. There's almost no way around it, but Philadelphia's bullpen is just abysmal. So their starting pitching is better, but their bullpen is just horrendous. Brandon Workman and uh, Heath Hembry are going to be uh, a help, but they still have more work to do in that bullpen if they want to get serious about a, a postseason run. Right now they've got themselves in second place. They have rallied back from a difficult start. Uh, so we'll wait and see uh, what happens there. Uh, the NL Central uh, – there is a chance that a uh, losing record uh, makes the playoffs uh, in this division. Chance. Right now, there's only one team that is looking worthy of a playoff spot in this division, and they're going to have to get two. Uh, Pittsburgh at 10 and 21, uh, Cincinnati 15 and 19, uh, Milwaukee 15 and 18, St. Louis 12 and 13, and then the Cubs at 20 and 14. Uh, the Cubs maintain a three and a half game lead. Uh, but the Brewers only one game back of St. Louis for that second spot. Uh, and before we get to any of those three teams, I only have one question. What is going on in know. Cincinnati? I know. That was the one I was going to ask. That's what I want to talk about first here is this is the team that we both predicted to win. We both predicted the St. Louis, or the, excuse me, the Cincinnati Reds to win the National League Central. And they're getting production from the player, like the ones we would expect. The ones that we thought, if you watch the Cincinnati Reds, I didn't expect great things out of Jesse Winker. He's playing incredible. I think he's still leading baseball, if I'm not mistaken, in OBP. And Castellanos, dark horse, playing like an MVP also. Mustakas was hurt, but when he's been there, doing Joey fine. Joey Votto is back, batting well. 
And so then you look at their pitching, and it's Sonny Gray looks great. Luis Castillo looks great. Trevor Bauer looks awesome. Like, they've had great pitching at the top. They've had decent hitting, and they're not winning baseball games. I don't get it. Cincinnati should be better than they are. If you would tell me exactly what you just did, that these players are going to do well, and Nicholas Castellanos uh, is going to be every worth every bit of the money that they're paying him, been a great offseason uh-huh. addition. Uh, Jesse Winker was going to come out of nowhere and, and shine. Uh, Joey Votto hitting again. Uh, that uh, you, The pitching that we, started, uh, that we thought of, the big three, then you have Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, you tell me all these guys are pitching this well. I would expect them to have a winning record and be at least neck and neck with the Cubs here. So, but they, they're four games under five hundred. I don't get it. It makes no sense. That team makes very little sense at all. Uh, other than those big three, they have had some weird other starting pitching. De Sclafani started off hot. It's been cold. Tyler Molly. I don't know why they took him out of the rotation. They took him out for Wade Miley, and it's that's not exactly worked well. They did just call up one of their big prospects. Jose Garcia just got called up this week. I didn't mention him, but he got called up from Cuba. Very young. I think he's never played above high A, if I'm not mistaken, because of his recent call up from Cuba and I three for 14 so far this week. So that's, yeah, he played at high A last year. So we'll see. They got to try something, right? This is a team that should be competitive. The outfield Senzel has been okay. Akiyama, it Jankowski. I just, they just called back Aristides Aquino. I really want to see the Reds start playing winning some baseball games here because this is a team that should be doing it, and it's just not happening. Well, ultimately, we mentioned that the offensive players that have performed up to, uh, up to expectations, the rest of the team has oh, not. Suarez is uh, terrible. And that's the surprising one. Yes, uh, 135 runs scored. It's one of the, the third or fourth worst offense in the National League. I mean, that's obviously a big part of it, uh, but it – they should be better. The, the players that are mentioned along with Suarez, if he can even just get started, even just have a Jose Ramirez second half a season, this team could look completely different. They're, they're certainly not out of it. We'll see. Like you said, this whole division has been strange other than the Cubs. Let's talk about the Cubs for a second here. The Cubs have won a lot of games. It's been, they're 20 and 14 at this point. And I would say it's been mostly the pitching, which is somewhat surprising. Now, you Darvish has been, once another player we have not probably talked we mentioned him once at least on this podcast more than once absolutely in contention to win the National League Cy Young Award yep. he has been awesome for the Chicago Cubs and Anthony Rizzo's been not very good Chris Bryant's been hurt but they're getting production from other players you mentioned Schwarber and Ian Happ's I think been awesome quietly very very good for the Chicago Cubs so the Cubs are going to win this division the way it looks right now they have a pretty nice lead and then it's going to be a battle for second between St. Louis Milwaukee and Cincinnati if you're, let's we should talk about the Brewers quick. Like you said, we're in Wisconsin. Brewers fans, you're not. We're not out of it yet. So all it takes is a good series or two. If if I'm trying to sell you on hope, here's here's my uh, my pitch. Everything that could go wrong has uh, the, the the offense has not been up to expectation. The the offseason philosophy was let's buy a lot of uh, variable players, throw it at the wall, and see what sticks. At least one of those lottery tickets should turn out. Really hasn't. Uh, you've had uh, Woodruff has emerged. That's been awesome. Burns has been starting to show some, some positive signs. Uh, the pitching has been a little bit better than maybe was expected. Uh, but then you it's one step forward and two steps back with this team. 
you all of a sudden look like you're showing signs of turning things around, and then you get swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, this team is maddeningly inconsistent and frustrating, and yet in spite of all of those things, because I said this was a pitch for a positive, so I'm getting there. The pitch is this. Despite all of those things, you are only one game back from the playoffs. If someone would have said at the trading deadline, if you would only be one game back of the playoffs, you'd be happy with that. You'd be saying, all right, we're right there. It doesn't feel like it because you're not playing like a playoff team, but in this weird year, you are. It doesn't matter what your record is going in. All that matters is getting in and anything can happen. So you have a second half of a year to figure this out, uh, to get the offense rebounding to the way they should be playing, to get your National League MVP to play at that level, to get Hira uh, performing like he did last year. There's enough talent here to be a playoff team. So hopefully we can see them start to turn things around uh, because the, the pitch is this, it ain't over yet. I'll I'll take it at this point. I'll take it, and then I got to keep up the faith, right? Have you watched any Brewers games? Uh, I've only seen a couple of them, and usually not good. <laughs> have you seen? We got to mention. I just got to mention. Have you seen Devin Williams pitch in relief? I've not. Devin Williams right now is averaging eighteen point four strikeouts per nine innings. He's just I guess got it's okay. Devastating change. Okay. It is incredible to watch. I just had to mention how good Devin Williams has been. So let's go west. Let's go west where. It is, West, playing out, man. it is playing out exactly like we thought it would. The Los Angeles Dodgers are 26-10 and 10 with a 72% winning percentage. That is, wow, is that good. And then after the Dodgers, the San Diego Padres. This is a team I thought could play up to it, and I think when we were talking about only one wildcard team, this was my pick. And then Colorado is at 500 at this point. San Francisco Playing pretty well lately, seven and three in the last ten. Winner, winners of two straight, up to seventeen and nineteen. And Evan Longoria, fountain of youth, going on right now. Brandon Belt, they moved in the fences out in San Francisco, so the offense has gotten a little easier out there in this offseason. I saw in the Park Factor stuff, and then Arizona pulling up the rear with a one and nine in their last ten. And we mentioned Arizona; they're going to get ready to sell off some of their pieces. We think we'll see about some of the at least Starling Marte if he really moves off of there or not. We got to start at the top, the Dodgers have to be the favorites at this point the best team in the baseball i'll pull the denny green they are who we thought they were yes they are they are absolutely are and this is a team i don't expect them to make any major moves i don't know what they would acquire at this point that would help them they only big game hunt uh if uh, all of a sudden francisco lindor or uh josh Hader or one of these types of players becomes available that's all that they're looking for if they don't get that the the depth of what they already have uh, is producing at a very high clip. So, And the thing that they don't get enough credit for is just how deep their farm system is because they can make a move for a player like that. They have they have prospects for days down there. Josiah Gray, Kyber Ruiz, just some of the players to mention. But I don't know if we'll see him make a move. Like you said, if, if Francisco Lindor becomes available for a player like Gavin Lux, it could happen, and that would just make this team even better. But otherwise, expect them to stay pat and stay being the best team in baseball at this point. San Diego is making moves left and right. They are already playing at 21 and 15. They have the second best record in the National League. They're very but good. But they're only going to be a wild card because of who the division leader is. But uh, that might mean just a better, a better matchup. I don't know who they'd be afraid to play at this point. I would take them against either of the Eastern teams at this point, whether it's Atlanta or Philadelphia. I think San Diego can match them. 
The Cubs? Uh, I think I'd take San Diego in a match in a series against the Cubs at this point. Here's the challenge with the Cubs that I didn't mention before, and that's that after their extremely hot start, they've been a 500 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started out like 15 and five. It was I forget. pretty good. Yeah, it was. Uh, but they've been 500 since. Now again, every team's got their their ups, ups and, downs. and downs that are going to be there. But I I want to see the Cubs respond. Uh, another st- stretch like they did th- to begin the year uh, to show me that they are for real. What do we think about Colorado? So they're making moves to acquire new players, right? 17 and 17. Right now, if the season ends, they are in the playoffs. I believe. Yes, they are the last wild card. Do they hold on? Let's say they don't get my boy Joey Gallo or add any other players. They have added Michael Givens. Is Colorado enough? If they just play to 500, do they make it as the final team? Considering what the rest of the competition is, uh, it's it's more of it's more of the yeah the Marlins have a possibility yet, uh, you, you know it, it's a it, it's hard to say but right now I'm I'm going to say that Colorado makes it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's going to be here's the, here's the difference between again the American League and the National League. There's still so much uncertainty that we don't know. Only half a game separates the the second uh, team in the uh, the East. Uh, whoever the second team of the Central is, there's at least three teams going for it that you'd be wouldn't be surprised at any of them. Uh, yeah, the Dodgers and and Padres have uh, uh, have now clearly made themselves the top of that division, but Colorado and San Francisco are uh, competing for that last spot. There's uh, a lot of variable in the NL compared to the American League. Yeah, so if we're going through the NL here, we're making our eight pit teams here. So Atlanta. And Philadelphia, I'm going to put those two teams in the playoffs as the NL East for sure. I'm going to go with the Cubs, and see, I still don't trust the Cardinals. I don't, I don't really. I don't trust any of I them. I don't trust any of, I don't trust any I of the rest of the teams. I'll go with the Brewers just because I'll be a homer here for nothing, for nothing else, if nothing else. And then the Dodgers and San Diego. So we'll say those are our top two teams in each one. Then we need two more teams. I don't know how you can keep Colorado out. And I'm going to say it. I will, even though they've lost four in a row, I think that the Miami Marlins can make the playoffs. It's, it's definitely possible. I think, because again, two, four, six, uh, you need two more teams after yeah. that. Colorado, you're not and getting Miami. it out of the central. Nope. So Colorado and Miami are the, the most likely ones at this point. Uh, for me, the second team in the Central, I would love to see the Brewers there. I think since he finds a way, I, I just think I talent so. eventually emerges. The only difference is in 162 games, you have a chance for talent to, sh- to stand out. In this shortened season, there's a, a, a higher variable, more volatile uh, part to this, uh, and it's a matter of just since he get it figured out by then. Uh, but yeah, I think Miami and Colorado are the two uh, teams remaining that make the most sense. If we would have said Miami and Colorado would make the playoffs two <laughs> months ago, what would you put the odds on that one at? Uh, I'd say <laughs> let's go to Vegas. <laughs> I got an update here. Uh, a team checking in on Starling Marte is the New York Yankees would like to make a move for Starling Marte. Ken Rosenthal, I believe, yes, Ken Rosenthal just reports that the Yankees are open to trading him and that the New York Yankees had planned to expand their negotiations to also include a pitcher such as Robbie Ray or Archie Bradley. So Starling Marte, I'm trying to think of where who plays center field for them. Brett Gardner, is that right? Brett Gardner still playing center field in New York, I believe so. So if they get everybody healthy, you put 
the Chista Stanton Judge Martes outfield out there. And yet again, Clint Frazier gets relegated to holding out the towels for some reason, even though all he does is hit. So that's another one to keep in mind as we look at some of the late updates here on the trade nights or pre-trade deadline night. I think that uh, Marte would be a good fit in New York. I still think that that would take – they just had a pit prospect come up today. I see he already got sent back down. Debbie Garcia pitched six innings. I don't – last I knew he hadn't given up a run. So the Yankees He's have good. prospects. The Yankees have very good prospects. They can make a move for a player like Starling Marte if they want to. Will be interesting to see. This is going to be a uh, uh, entertaining uh, oh, about 18 hours is what we're looking at here. Uh, so we will uh, recap uh, our trade winners and losers uh, next week, uh, as well as to go back to our uh, season beginning predictions and storylines to look at and uh, reevaluate our current status here. So uh, thanks for sticking around with us, and we will see you next week. Take care. 